Let's pray together. Dear God, we're so grateful for the scriptures that we heard this morning. And we thank you that as we hear them together, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and through the lens of Jesus, these scriptures help to bring new life and new love and new light into our lives. And we pray for that to happen here this morning. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So it's good from time to time to ask ourselves, why do we do the things that we do here at East Chestnut from Sunday to Sunday? I mean, why do we show up here Sunday after Sunday? Why do we get together to share tables and food with one another? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we engage in mission here in this city and around the world? As you can see on your bulletin cover, Christian formation helps us to remember that every part of our church life here at East Chestnut, our worship, our connecting and fellowship, our nurture commission learning, our serving in mission, and I should not neglect our stewardship and our care of our facilities. All of these things have a crucial role to play in helping to form each one of us into a little Christ. As we cycle through this process here, worshiping, connecting, learning, serving, worshiping, connecting, learning, and serving, Christ is patiently forming His beautiful character in each of us. The goal, as Galatians 4.19 says so beautifully, is for Christ to be formed in each and every one of us here. And what does that actually mean? I mean, let's get a little real here. What does that mean for Christ to be formed in us? It means that we too will begin to share His love for those at the margins. We too will begin to share His ability to forgive. Seventy times seven. We too will begin to share His holiness of character. His life of prayer, and His creative ability to overcome evil with good. And dear friends, this morning we want to remember that our Lord's ability to transform each and every one of us is greatly increased when we get on to this is what church is about. 
We're not just going to church. We're coming here to be formed in Christ's likeness, in His character. And His ability to transform us is greatly enhanced when we realize this. And not only when we realize this, but we actively welcome it. So the next time you're coming here on a Sunday morning, the next time you're coming here for a committee meeting, in two weeks when you come here for our community festival, don't just come here. Don't just go through the motions. Invite Christ through whatever you're doing at that moment to shape His character more fully in you. You see, all of this takes us back to Jesus' beautiful invitation that we heard in Scripture today. Let the children come to Me. I remember one of the first Sundays I was here, Glenn Ross said, that word come, that invitation is one of the most important words in Scripture. And thank God in Matthew 11... This invitation is expanded not just to children, but to all of us, right? Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What is that? Take my yoke of discipleship upon you and learn from me. Grow from me. And invite others to come and grow with us together. In many ways, that's the gospel right there in miniature. And so the question that I want to reflect with you this morning on is this. Here at East Chestnut, how can we foster a deeper culture of Christian formation where lives are being regularly transformed by God. You know, in many ways, Christian formation is our work, and transformation is completely God's work, right? And so we engage in activities of Christian formation. Why? To perfect ourselves? No. So that God can transform us. So I invite you to turn this morning to Deuteronomy 6. Because here in this passage we find what our Jewish sisters and brothers regard as the pinnacle, the central text of what they call the Hebrew Bible. And which Jesus later calls the greatest commandment of all. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, no one else. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You see, as the Israelites prepare to enter Palestine, we find Moses especially concerned with spiritual formation and how to pass on 
the love of God to the next generation. And since this is also our deepest concern as well, let us notice four important things that Moses teaches us. First of all, faith modeling. Verse 6, keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. You know, our young people naturally notice what is most precious to us and what is not. Parents, grandparents, mentors, Sunday school teachers, the most important thing you can do to nurture their spiritual formation is to actively nurture your own relationship with God. If we never connect with God after we leave here on Sunday morning, why should they want to? Right? On the other hand, their faith comes alive when they experience faith in us that is authentic and transformational. Second, faith practices. Verse 7, talk about these things with your kids when you're at home and when you're away, when you tuck them in, and when you get up. In the home, kids especially thrive on faith practices that begin early. Parents, begin early. And then these faith practices become familiar, and then they become precious. I'm talking about things like praying before meals, being blessed at night, sharing Bible stories, serving others, and coming to church on Sundays. You know, Irene Martin tells the beautiful story of growing up in her family's devotions each morning, one of the central things that they did was they would sing together, I owe the Lord a morning song. And guess what Irene and her siblings do many, many decades together. Every time they get together, they sing, I owe the Lord a morning song. You see, that began early And then it became precious to them. Faith practices are habits that we put in place based on our core values. This is very, very important. They become the default settings of our lives. On Sunday morning, we come to church. We don't sit there and say, should I go or should I stay? (laughs) Right? But why? We do this because one of our core values is to connect with God. Not because we want to prove that we're good people. No, our core value is that we want to connect with God and we want to be trained in Jesus' ways. And there are so many other things in our world that are forming us 
So we choose intentionally to make church a default setting in our lives. We show up so that we can be transformed. In our busy lives, faith practices help us to live on purpose. And with purpose. Notice in verse 7 that Moses highlights the special holiness of the ending and the beginning of every day. When you lie down and when you rise up. Parents, grandparents, be sure to pray with your kids when you tuck them in. Ask them formational questions. Where did you see God today? What are you most grateful for? See, this forms faith in them. And for goodness sakes, bless them every night. You can find the blessing from number six that Danette and I love to share, printed in our bulletin, inside our bulletin today. And we'll close our service with that at the end. Third, faith symbols. Look at the last part of verse 8. Moses says, write these words on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Now, if you want to do that when you get home, feel free to. To this day, Jews still mount on their doors a small silver container called a mezuzah, which contains a small parchment of this scripture. And as they pass the door, they touch it and are reminded of their calling to love God. You see, what the Jews help us to do is to move outside of our heads into an enfleshed and incarnational faith that we live out with our bodies, touch, sight, and so forth. Friends, in our homes as well, a work of beauty, a cross, a scripture calligraphy, or an icon of or an icon can remind us of God and prompt the visual curiosity of our young people. And so I invite all of us when we return to our homes, walk into your door, scan your home. Is your home environment nurturing this kind of spiritual formation in you and everyone who comes to your home? Finally, faith stories. Verse 20, Moses says that our kids will notice our faith modeling after they participate in our faith practices and after they see our faith symbols, they're going to ask, Mommy, why do we do this? Grandpa, What does all of this mean? 
These become teachable moments, Moses says, for sharing the stories of our faith. We were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of our house of slavery with a mighty hand. These become opportunities to help our children find their story in God's story. And a key way to do this is for us to be reading Bible stories together, which have a deep formational impact both on them and on us as we do this together. And over the last decade, my family has been reading through all of these books one by one, these Bible story books, the Rhyme Bible. I think someone asked for this the other day on the web or on our listserv. And then we moved on to the Family Story Bible, the Bible for children. Shine On, this is the one that we've shared with all the families of our church. If you're new to our church, let me know and we'll be glad to get you a copy. And then Jasmine and I most recently read through this very thin book, <laughs> The Book of God, which is an excellent book for adults who are wondering, how does the whole story of the Bible fit together? Now, you might think we were spending hours and hours every day reading. We weren't. We actually, maybe around three or four times a week, spent ten minutes reading a day. And over the course of the years, we've read through some of these volumes several times. I want you to know why I feel so passionately about this. You see, I grew up in progressive churches, and I grew up in a progressive Christian family where I ended up learning very little about the Bible. Now, I take a big personal responsibility for that. But yet, we have to look at this and say, how does that happen? And in fact, when I got to seminary, one of my biggest fears was that my biblical illiteracy would be outed all right? And then I'd be expelled. I'm really serious. By God's grace, I went to seminary at 33 and began to understand how the whole Bible fits together. And how in the Bible there is a Mount Everest, Jesus Christ, and there are also many flat areas and plains. I didn't know that. One of the reasons that I'm so excited about working with Pastor Samantha, who is going to be with us in, I think, just a two months now, is that we both share this passion for Christian formation. We were both mentored by the same wonderful teacher in seminary, Marlene Krupp. 
And we both want our young people to learn at East Chestnut how to read the Bible in community, guided by the Holy Spirit, and shaped by the example and life of Jesus. And we want them to learn how to read the Bible not just for information, not just for facts, not just for knowledge, but for real transformation by God. We sometimes forget that. And then we make the Bible into an idol. You can know all, every verse and chapter in the Bible, but not be loving and not be Christ-like. All of this is meant to bring us to God and to shape the character of Christ in us. We also want our young people to discover how the Bible can take us to ever deeper and deeper places as we grow and mature and move through life. You know, at first, Jonah, the story of Jonah, is just a whale of a story, right? But then one day we wake up, and some Christians never wake up. I've had people ask me, well, when's the last time you, had, you saw a person survive being in the belly of a whale? They've never been helped to go to that deeper level to see that this story is about all the ways that we run away from God. Amen? Amen. At first, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are just three guys in a furnace. And it's a great story, isn't it? But then one day, aha, no, there's more. This is a story about God and empire. They were saying no to the empire. And they were giving their sole loyalty to God alone. As our young people learn to engage the Bible, that's what we want. Especially, especially its stories of horrific violence and its stories of ethnic cleansing. We want to set our young people free to ask, where on earth is this story going? We want them to ask, what is God really like? Do these stories of violence reflect God and God's character? The beautiful thing is that all of these questions that we we liberate our young people to ask us, they lead them and they lead us to Jesus. who is the visible image of our invisible God, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who is the way and the truth and the life. Above all, we want to nurture in the younger generations a deep love for God with all their heart, with all their mind, don't leave that behind, and with all of their body as well. 
And we want them to hear Jesus' life-transforming invitation. Come and follow me. So I want to close today, as I've done before, with a little demonstration of two Christian formation models. Maybe some of you remember this. The first is called the fire hose method. All right? Here, in this method, we pay absolutely no attention to the formation of our kids until they suddenly reach baptism age. Suddenly, we become very passionate about faith modeling, faith practices, and faith symbols. But to our young people, it feels forced and phony. And since I couldn't bring a fire hose, I'll now use a pitcher to show how much water ends up in a glass when we pour it all at once. So, dear friends, here is the fire hose method. Actually, I did pretty well. (laughs) My object lesson failed. I should have been a little sloppier. But anyway, you can see that it's half empty. That's right, it's half empty. The second model is the eyedropper method, right? The eyedropper method. In this model, we partner as mentors and grandparents and parents and Sunday school teachers to patiently fill the cup of our young people with water. And Christian formation isn't something that we do to them. It's something that we do with them. Because Jesus told us that our children, they have special access to the kingdom that we need to learn from, right? And there's no need ever to panic about our kids since before they leave home, we're going to have 1,000 Sundays with them here at East Chestnut. Isn't that amazing? 1,000 Sundays. And parents and grandparents, we're going to have 7,000 days with them before they leave home. And there's no need to panic about ourselves either. You ever do that? God has a whole lifetime. Indeed, God has all of eternity to lovingly transform me and to lovingly transform you. Amen.